The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. thought we might go a day without NBA news. The NBA does not disappoint unless you are Doc Rivers, in which case you might be a little bit disappointed. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. Hold the fantasy. Although I guess there might be a little bit of fantasy on today's podcast because we're uh, we're in between being able to talk about what happened in the last round of the finals and, or the, the conference finals and what's about to happen tomorrow in the actual NBA finals. And maybe we'll dabble, we'll dabble in some schematic talk today. But really, the big news of yesterday is that the Clippers and Doc Rivers parted ways. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. After we get y'all broken down into the show, this is Fantasy NBA Today, mostly hold the fantasy. I'm Dan Bespris, and this is, of course, a HoopBall presentation. That's at HoopBallTweets on Twitter. Yes, HoopBall Fantasy still exists. I've just been promoing HoopBall Tweets because this is a non-fantasy time of year, and that's the, the Twitter feed where you can see everything going on in HoopBall right now. The great Corbin Ford, an episode of NBA Today, talking Doc Rivers, Malik Beasley's arrest, the finals, Brandon Marcus and Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film had an emergency Clippers podcast released yesterday on the Doc Rivers firing. That one is, uh, as the kids say, straight fire. Straight fire. Those two guys are great together. Fantastic, fantastic podcast chemistry. Uh, big thanks to Justin for jumping on these hoop ball shows as often as he has must-listen show, and we'll probably steal some audio from it a little bit later on in this podcast uh, just to, to kind of give you guys... I mean, here's the thing. I can talk about it more from the the fantasy standpoint or just from the overall what-does-it-mean standpoint, but they can actually give you the, the day-to-day, the in-between-the-lines of what's been going on in Clippertown and how it got to this point. Hoopball Tweets, again, is that uh, big header handle. Um, and I am at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I want to give you guys a quick shout-out here at the beginning of the show to our buddies over at ExpressVPN. I've been using it. I know I probably should have done that before I ran our first promo, but they were kind enough to give me a free account so that I can see how it all works. I can demo the product. And it's really cool. I'm not going to tell you guys what I did with it because that uh, feels like maybe something I shouldn't do. But you can do all sorts of things once you protect your privacy on the internet. You can watch, I mean, like here's the thing, if you, and, and this is what their copy says, but you can do other stuff with it as well. Uh, you can watch Doctor Who on the UK Netflix. You can see... Fresh Prince on Australian Netflix. They have different shows available in different countries. And with ExpressVPN, you can hide your location. You can hide your IP address, and you can make it appear as though you are in different places, which, look, I get it. It seems weird, but, like, you're paying for your Netflix subscription. You're not stealing Netflix here. I would never, ever tell you guys to do something and go steal something. That is not good business. This is just getting the maximum value for the thing you're paying for. 
Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that's on Canadian Netflix. I think it's on Hulu in America, but you don't want to pay for two services? I don't blame you. So there's all these ways that you can access things that maybe you wouldn't have access to if you just logged on and it said, oh, you're in Los Angeles or whatever it is. Uh, Things where you're blacked out from sporting events. And it's fast. And then there's torrenting, I guess, but other people know more about that than I do. Listen, here's the thing. You go to expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. And when you sign up for your one-year membership, they'll throw an extra three months on for free. So they'll give you an extra 25% on your initial membership. Again, support this show. Watch what you want and protect your privacy. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Check it out. Immediately. It's really cool, actually. I've, I've started to use it now. I feel much more protected when I'm on the internet, which is kind of nice these days because everybody knows everything I'm doing, and that is somewhat disconcerting. Okay, um, I have no thoughts on the Malik Beasley situation because I don't know what's going on there, and, it, and I don't think it's going to have any impact on what goes on for the Wolves next season. I'm sure that if, he's, if everything is cleared by the time next season starts, he's going to have his normal role, which is going to be a pretty good one. So we'll worry about that as next season approaches. The Doc Rivers thing is actually uh, the the big story of the day because Doc Rivers, who's at this point, this is a fan, this is a basketball staple. This is a basketball staple. He's as coaches go, he's probably the face of the NBA. Is there any coach in the league that's better known than Doc Rivers right now? Greg Popovich might be the only one. Those two are, uh, those, maybe Steve Kerr. I don't know. I would put Doc. I would put Doc up there with most known coaches. Uh, and Pop is probably the only one. The only reason Kerr gets into the conversation because the Warriors are coming off this sort of semi, this brief dynasty here, uh, and so everybody knows him that's been watching basketball recently. But that's recency bias. Rivers. Pop, these are guys that have been doing it for decades now. Doc Rivers, Greg Popovich, these, these are guys that have some of the longest playoff, or, well, Pop had the longest playoff streak and winning streaks, and and he's out. He's out. And this is not going to be one of those shows where we make, where we dive into, you know, what implications this has just from a, a big-picture standpoint. This is... Look, I, I given, and I'm, I'm going to try to toe-tap my way this as best I can, but the way I see it is given the, the history of the recent history of the Clippers and everything they've been through, this feels like a move that was exclusively based on an inability to get over the hump. And, and I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to this question, Something else going on behind the scenes among potentially superstar players. And I don't know. So I'm going to leave that part out of our discussion today. I know it's getting kicked around on Twitter a lot, and it, and it does seem unusual because it, most of the indications that I had seen coming out of the season was that the Clippers were going to run it back, and they were going to get over that. They were going to try to get over that hump next year. And, you know, weird circumstances this season. We know a lot of those guys didn't even want to be in the bubble as evidenced by the fact that they said out loud they didn't want to be in the bubble. <laughs> you know, no deep digging on that one. And, and then it goes the other way. 
And one of the one of the um, frequent guests on our Hoopball Clips show with Brandon is Yovan Yovan Bua, who writes, who covers the Clippers for the Athletic. And even he said he was he was blown away. He was completely surprised by this. So it's one of those weird things where we're all surprised but not shocked, right? Like we all thought the Clippers would just run it back because it's a weird year and everybody was like, all right, you know, people get a pass this season because of how strange the bubble was. And especially, especially this Clippers team where we knew Lou Williams didn't want to be there. Paul George didn't want to be there. Montrez Harrell definitely didn't want to be there going through family tragedies. These are key, key guys on the Clippers that just didn't really want to be a part of this playoff run. They had other things that were bringing them back to earth, whether it's societal stuff or personal stuff or a combination of both. And yet, the expectations were high enough that this meltdown, and it was, we talked about it on this show, that probably Clippers blowing the 3-1 lead to the Nuggets is absolutely a top three playoff meltdown in history there are arguments to be made that it's number one I don't know if it's number one but it's damn close to be a team favored by that much and and look I know we Vegas lines are not exclusively set on how much better one team is than another they're not trying to get the number right every time they're trying to split the take as you you know, usually you'll see public coming in on one side and sharp betters coming in on the other to try to catch a little bit of value when the public moves the line, so on and so forth. The the opening line usually gets bet into. I know, but it's usually not off by much. And the Nuggets were favored by a truckload. A truckload. Or sorry, the, the Clippers were favored by a truckload in every game of that series. On paper. The Clippers were probably the best team in the NBA. And then to go up 3-1 and to go up 16 points and blow it, and then to go up 19 points and blow it, there's just no real comparison to a team melting down quite like that. And so, yes, there was emotional stuff going on. And yes, there were guys that didn't really want to be in the bubble. And that probably explains what happened in Game 7, where the Clippers were just like, yeah, we got, we got nothing left. It's time to go home. But prior to that, prior to that, I think is what this was all based on. And a striking lack of adjustments. Not Coach Bud level, but damn close. And you could draw that back to any number of things that happened for or against the Clippers this year. Paul George not being healthy for pretty much the entire season meant that they never really had team chemistry reports coming out about Paul George not getting along with some of his teammates teammates being annoyed that guys are getting special treatment all of these weird things you roll them together and this Clippers team was all talent and not a ton of chemistry which you definitely need to get through the playoffs because you're going to be tested and the teams that get tested and persevere are the ones that are that are grinders. Clippers were a grinder team last year before they had their superstars. I don't think anybody was grinding like that team last season. That was a grinder of a team. This year, not so much. Load management, actual injuries, the bubble, the long layoff, guys quarantining, doing 
couldn't get back into the bubble. <clears throat> and so we got to that point of one of the biggest meltdowns in the history of the playoffs. And unfortunately, one of the other biggest meltdowns in the history of the playoffs also falls on Doc Rivers' resume. And at a certain point, even when someone is a face of the league and has has carried a franchise through one of the darkest hours in NBA history, the Donald Sterling saga, eventually you do kind of run out of chips. And I think this was that. And the Clippers like, look, we need someone that's going to just bring a different look to this team. I never liked the Clippers' offense this year. And, you know, again, I'm not a big X's and O's guy, but in the half court, they were almost exclusively a take-turns ISO offense. It was Kawhi ISO or it was Paul George ISO. You didn't see the kind of freewheeling ball movement when when the game slowed down a little bit this year that you saw from their pre-superstar team last year. So then you get to the next question, which is, Okay, we know why Doc was let go. Monstrous meltdown. I mean, you just can't get away with two meltdowns of that magnitude. I don't think anybody could. I don't think any coach would get a pass in that. And I think, frankly, I think Doc had a longer leash because he has been so critical to the franchise and to the NBA. And honestly, look, that dude's going to coach anywhere he wants, if he wants, going forward. So I'm not worried about Doc. What about the question of who comes in now to coach this team? There've been there's been talk of the Clippers maybe promoting guys internally, but if the issue was the meltdown and if the issue was a lack of adjustments when Denver changed what they were doing or a lack of ingenuity in their offense with this roster, is the right call having someone elevated that was there for the meltdown? I know ultimately the buck stops at Doc. He was the head coach. Whatever decisions he makes are the ones that go. But if you don't think that he is listening to his assistant coaches who are supposed to be giving him ideas of things to change and other stuff to try to get out of said rut and said meltdown, you're nuts. You know, there's a reason he's revered like Popovich. These two guys are revered the way they are. It's not just because they're good coaches. It's because they're good humans and they cultivate a coaching staff that is that has responsibility and buy-in and is actively involved in what happens on the day-to-day. I mean, think about how many times Pop just steps aside and lets an assistant coach actually coach the ball game. And how much has Doc Rivers talked in the last couple weeks even about how Sam Cassell deserves a head coaching try? He's grooming these guys. But to then elevate them within the same franchise, at least in my head, doesn't make a ton of sense. If you want to change, you make a change. A change is out with the old, in with the new. If you want just... If your issue was just Doc, which doesn't make any sense at all, because Doc's awesome and he just didn't make the right adjustments and he played the wrong guys, do you think that elevating someone within like is was there someone on the Clippers staff that was yelling we can't play Montrez or was yelling we need to have something else going on uh defensively here to to get over the hump like was someone not being listened to because if that's the case maybe that person deserves a chance maybe that's Cassell maybe that's Lou I don't know 
These guys are all going to get head coaching jobs, I would think, or they should at least. Soon, Ty Lue, it seems like he has the kind of the pick of the litter here. We know he's pretty far down the road with Philadelphia. Houston is looking at these different guys. There's, there's plenty of opportunities out there for good head coaches. I just don't... My brain has a disconnect here where it's not fully understanding um, how how you say uh, that the problem was Doc, that the meltdowns were on Doc, this particular meltdown was on Doc, the, the lack of cleverness on offense, the, the lack of uh, continuity, all that was on Doc, but that his coaching staff didn't have anything to do with it. Does that make sense? Like, how do you say it's on one but not the other? Either it's not their fault, and in that case, presumably, they'd all still have jobs with the team, or it is. I don't, well, I don't follow. In any event, uh, the reason that I bring this up is that because there are some off-season decisions to be made in uh, free agent town, the person that comes in to coach the Clippers is going to have some decisions on their hands, namely... How much do you play a Kawhi Leonard during the regular season? What responsibility do you give him and or Paul George uh, to sort of lead the team from an emotional standpoint? And then, will there be anyone else on that team that can that can work their way into fantasy value? Can Pat Beverly stay healthy for a whole year? That's a guy that probably should have been load-managed more and plays himself into injuries, especially as he's, you know, every year you get one year older, such is time. Uh... And then the front office has this decision on Montrez Harrell because if he doesn't come back, suddenly Ivica Zubats becomes a little bit of a golden boy. Or do they bring in a center, which they really should. So there are some fantasy implications to all of this stuff going on where Doc Rivers, his offense with this superstar team didn't really showcase the type of things that he's enjoyed running in the past. Like, the Clippers last year were one of the fastest-paced teams in the NBA. They were running, 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 running. It was all Lou Williams going nuts. Lou and Montrez going crazy. And he just didn't really have the opportunity to utilize some of that stuff this year. You know? he I don't want to say he was he was hamstrung, but he was a little bit hamstrung. So, you know, it's not going to dramatically change the fortunes of their guys at the top of the heap. For Paul George, it's going to come down to health. If he's actually healthy going into the year, he can easily be a top 20 guy uh, or maybe even higher. And then with Kawhi, this was probably about as good as it gets, right? He was number three on a per-game basis. He's going to have his days off. But Paul George missed a lot of time, and so even more than usual fell on Kawhi's shoulders. He was asked to do even more. So by all accounts, Kawhi is actually due to take a small step back next year. I would expect Paul George to take a big step forward. And then as you look at the 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 Clippers contract situation, you try to figure out where all the pieces fit. You know, Paul George, um, next year after next year, both he and Kawhi Leonard have player options or they can become free agents. Beverly is signed for a couple more years. Marcus Morris is a free agent now. Uh, Lou Will is signed for one more season. Zubots they've got for a while. Montrez, a free agent. Jermichael Green can opt out, although I don't know that there's just a ton of money for guys lying around right now. And then uh, mostly everybody else that didn't play much of a role is is floating around. So 
The Clippers have some questions. They have some questions. Reggie Jackson, by the way, also a free agent. Uh, he was a uh, waived by the Pistons earlier in the season, so presumably he won't be back either. So, um, yeah, obviously Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, those guys are going to have a ton of fantasy value, but the removal of Marcus Morris frees him up to go someplace to have fantasy value, potentially. Does Lou Williams move back into the picture? No, for me. I think he continues to stay down. If Montrez Harrell is gone, you look at center, I think, as your third most interesting spot on this team. And then, you know, the, the health of Pat Bev is also a thing as well. When he's fully healthy and no Reggie Jackson to get in the way, then he'll put up his, what we generally like, the Patrick Beverly lines that we like, and then when Reggie got to town, he disappeared completely along with the injury stuff. So will a coach make a big difference in that regard? Yeah, it's possible. But can they take the ball out of the hands of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Probably not. So there's that other side of it, which is why you look at guys that can do things that don't need the basketball, and that's why we eliminate Lou Williams from that picture. So Zubats, someone who can do stuff without the basketball in his hands. Bev, someone that can do stuff without the basketball in his hands. But that was also kind of already the case this year, even under Doc. I, you know, the question, I guess, is if they bring in someone outside the organization who's going to make these sweeping changes to their offense and defense, that's where you get into the, okay, does anyone else creep into the picture? But if they elevate someone from within, you probably just see tweaks on the norm, and so that's probably not going to have a giant chunk O fantasy value. And quickly here, before we move on to a very, very brief look at the finals, again, we'll have a, a bigger piece of that on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, I wanted to play just a quick snippet from the most recent Hoopball Clippers episode of Brandon with Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film. And uh, if you want to hear the rest of their breakdown, you can listen to the rest of that show. Again, that is the Hoopball Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Let's check in there now. Stunning was an understatement. Um, it, it felt like he had so much cachet within the organization that um, this this outcome was just not on the table. Um, from all accounts, you know, we heard that Kawhi Leonard and he, his affinity for Doc is one of the big reasons why um, he wasn't going to be let go. And it felt like all of the um, things that the Clippers were going to try to accomplish this offseason centered around roster construction and not necessarily coaching. So this is, um, this is a pretty seismic shift from what we as fans and people who follow the team thought that they were they, – how they were going to approach this offseason. But – you know, ever since the Clippers revamped their front office, they've moved in silence. And every move that you see from the Clippers, it's happened seemingly out of um out of thin air. Like when Blake Griffin got traded, there were no rumors prior to that. Everybody thought Kawhi Leonard wasn't coming to the Clippers and he came to the Clippers. No one was talking about the Paul George to, to LAC trade. Um, so it's a real it's a real um it's a real shocker. But that's how the Clippers front office rolls. And um, I guess my immediate reaction is that everything is on the table. And I'm really giddy because it just seems like this front office is really going for it. They are they are they they're making no bones about it. They are going to they're going for a championship and everything is on the table. And as a fan and as a person who follows the team, I'm I'm excited about that. 
And let's take just a second here and we'll do a much deeper dive on tomorrow's podcast about the upcoming NBA Finals, which begin tomorrow. The line remains Lakers by five. The total has actually come down by a half point. It's at 217 and a half now, although I still think this is going to be a pretty darn high scoring first game of the series. But a couple of things that struck me as I started to go through the data on this series. And the more I read, the more I think that the Lakers are going to have a really tough time. A really tough time. Now, Miami's zone probably doesn't work because the Lakers have a highly competent big man. They can throw right in the middle of that thing. And Miami ran it a few times during the regular season meetings between the two teams and Anthony Davis got to the free throw line and then just immediately clobbered the Miami Heat. Um, Beyond that, just from a straight matchup standpoint, the Lakers are now playing a team that has both a strong defensive wing and a strong defensive center. They haven't seen that in the playoffs so far. I know from a scheme standpoint, the Lakers have seen what the Heat are probably going to do, which is likely wall off the paint, force the Lakers to try to beat them with shooting as best they can. Uh, They have the advantage of throwing Bam into that protect-the-paint role instead of Nikola Jokic that Denver had to use, which, again, Jokic not a leaper. So the Lakers did have an opportunity to kind of go not necessarily through and it, it, it did work for a while, but create opportunities for other guys to get behind him. And then it also opens up rebounding opportunities as well. But this is going to be uh, presumably a slightly better version of that. What the Lakers have seen so far is in the first round, a Portland team that had no one that could guard anyone on the Lakers. Uh, the second round where Houston actually had some guys that could... Uh, kind of square up the Lakers a little bit, but a couple of switches and then some absolute dominance on the glass, and that went out the tubes quickly. And then in round three, they saw a team that had a really good defender in Jeremy Grant that could take out, not take out completely, but slow down one of the two Lakers superstars a little bit, not stop them, but slow them, but nothing for the other guy. Now they're finally seeing a team that has someone they can throw at both. And I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be Jimmy Butler the whole time. They'll throw Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala at LeBron as well. He's going to be seeing his toughest opponent from a defensive standpoint. Where the Lakers do have some advantages here is that there are guys on that Miami team that are large defensive liabilities that the Nuggets didn't really have. The Nuggets defensively... There wasn't this giant gaping hole on that team so much as the Lakers were able to just kind of string them out and take advantage of spots where they were superior. I mean, that's what happens in the modern NBA. A really good offense is going to open up even a good defense. Um, Nikola Jokic was basically your weak point for the Nuggets on defense uh, because they didn't have rim protection. to be. They, they really didn't. There, there was almost nothing. Um, but Paul Millsap, give him some credit. It's not like he could get high enough to deal with Anthony Davis and he's not fast enough to deal with LeBron, but he wasn't just letting people blow by him. The, the Heat have two guys that are playing a lot that are defensive liabilities, Dun- Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic. Those are guys that the Lakers are going to be targeting, I would assume, relentlessly. And if the Heat try to do things to help in those situations or to try to make it less of a one-on-one, meaning 
pre-rotate the way we saw Denver do and wall off the paint. The Lakers have now seen that already, and they'll just run the stuff that they were running previously. Still, that said, I think the Lakers want to get this thing into the open court. They don't want to have to deal with the fact that Miami has, they like to call them dogs on that team, guys that are going to be fighting with LeBron and AD all game long. And I think the Lakers are going to go big because I don't think they want Anthony Davis fighting with Adebayo all game long. That's just not good for someone they need to help them that much on offense. We'll do a really deep dive tomorrow. A really deep dive tomorrow. Shout out to our buddies at MyBookie once again for all their wonderful promos over the weekend. We had a lot of fun with that. If you want to open up an account and bet with us, go to MyBookie.ag, promo code HOOPBALL for 100% deposit match bonus. You get to unlock that good stuff. Again, it's MyBookie.ag, promo code is HOOPBALL, and we'll tell you all about those guys on tomorrow's show as well. Tomorrow, we'll really deep dive the NBA Finals. Today, baseball playoffs start. Tomorrow, you got like nine, eight, eight baseball playoff games in an NBA Finals game. NHL ended, so we didn't get the opportunity to bet all of those on the same night parlay. But what a weird week for playoff sports, huh? This is Fantasy NBA Today. Sort of hold the fantasy, your day in between. I guess we could have done a bit on where coaches end up, but meh, we'll save that. Save it for the offseason. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. But at this point, you guys probably know me. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning. Finals preview Wednesday coming up. Manana. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.